and joining us today we have Wendy Rosenfeld from Mullaney Sunshine Coast Hinterland on the topic of I believe it's higher states of consciousness Wendy is that correct? That's right yeah I'm really interested in just talking a bit about how transcendental meditations so much more than just a technique to release stress and help you sleep better at night it's really a tool to wake up the full potential of the mind so yeah we'll have a bit of a chat about enlightenment and what that is and higher states of consciousness wonderful well most people i come into contact with um, both in just a general society and and obviously business circles are looking for very practical ways to um, to utilize the ability of transcendental meditation and how that manifests in their professional life and their career we're obviously aware that it's a marvelous tool that's proven to assist with the stress and workloads with busy professional people and uh and whatnot, but what interested me today is you wanted to take a little bit further than that, Wendy, and, and focus more on, on those potentialities of the mind. Yeah, and look, I guess enlightenment, people think, oh, it's something that if you maybe go to India and live in the Himalayas and become a recluse for you know decades, you can achieve a state of enlightenment. But what it really is talking about is just peak performance. And what Mahashi Mahesh Yogi, who is the founder of Transcendental Meditation, brought out was actually you could measure enlightenment, you could measure higher states of consciousness in a completely scientific way. So you look at the brain waves, you look at um, you know, particular um, indicators in the physiology. So it's not kind of something mystical or esoteric that you know, it's only kind of available to certain people. Anyone can achieve that exalted state. That's a wonderful point you've just raised there actually in, in my mind, it keeps coming back to the language and what I mean by that is that basically um, meditation and the techniques associated with transcending and exploring higher states of consciousness have a very long established history in Eastern traditions and especially India. Whereas in the Australian culture, the, uh, the English speaking world, those concepts are relatively new. So we use words like spirituality and mysticism to, to, to just put them into a general reference point. But what you're saying is, here is th this is really descriptions of the physiology in action and the values that can be then realised in everyday life, um, if that's my understanding. Yeah, and it can be systematically achieved. I mean, every human being has the same nervous system. So if anyone can get to a state of what you might call self-realisation or enlightenment, it's possible for everyone else to. And what it really involves is the purification of the nervous system and also the expansion of the mind. And that's involved, you know, tapping into deeper levels of the mind. And, you know, higher states of consciousness doesn't have to be kind of a strange idea. We all experience changing states of consciousness throughout the day. I mean, we're probably all familiar with the three states of consciousness, which are waking, dreaming and sleeping. And each has its correspondence between the mind and body. And even within the waking state, when we're drowsy, when we're um, overstressed, we don't make good decisions. You know, we don't have clarity of thinking. Um, when we're feeling really alert and rested, then our perception of life is much greater. Um, our brain's more coherent. We make better decisions. So we can understand it in kind of quite simple terms. So our state of consciousness really determines how much we perceive in life. And obviously we don't perceive much when we're asleep. When we're dreaming, we have a very altered kind of reality to waking state. And in waking state, we have different graduations of, of clarity and perception. 
So if I understand you correctly, um, earlier when you mentioned the, the purification of the nervous system, obviously that's a, that's a term that most people wouldn't be familiar with, but if I understand you correctly, what you're saying is that the nervous system has a, a range or a level of potential that's not being realized due to maybe an accumulation of impurities or fatigue, and the technique and the practice of transcending, which you do get through transcendental meditation, increases the capacity of the nervous system, or does it just remove that accumulation, fatigue and impurities? Wendy, can you just talk us through the dynamics? Yeah, so well, it revitalizes the nervous system. I mean, again, even for people that haven't done any meditation, um, you can be aware of how you feel when you've eaten something that didn't agree with you, when you're overtired, there's not much clarity there. Um, but that's just within a limited range of, say, the conscious thinking mind. We know from Transcendental Meditation that we can tap into much, much deeper levels of the mind. So we can say, you know, the figure that's often thrown around is that our conscious thinking mind is only 5 to 10% yes. of our mental abilities. And if that's all we're activating, that's all we're perceiving in the world around us. So as we start to access deeper levels of the mind and purify um, the fatigue and the stress out, then when we come out of meditation, we can perceive much more. And other ways of understanding that concept is we can use more of these kind of abstract levels of thinking, um, like creativity, intuition, ability to solve abstract problems. And again, even for people that aren't meditating, they're probably aware that when they're tired, when they're stressed, they're not very creative, they're not intuitive, um, they don't make good decisions. So even within that realm, we can have an understanding of accessing deeper levels of the mind is going to bring about a greater potential in our lives. Yeah, it certainly makes sense. I think we've all, we've all heard many times through the journey that we're only using 5, 10, 15% of our, uh, of our potential. And I guess even when you pause and think about that, who, who, who would be comfortable with the notion that 85% of your ability and 85% of your potential is never going to be tapped? It'd almost be like realising that you have a, a bank account that you never knew that you had, that you had access to, and, um, and you've denied yourself that, um, that ability to access that resource that could have really changed the way your life is. And um, so that's a great, a great way you've described it. I think the other thing you mentioned there is that the, um, the language from something that is spiritual or mystical, now that science has found a way to measure it and we can reproduce it, um, it, it, it takes on a very scientific sort of approach rather than that once held maybe 50, mm -hmm. 60 years ago, a mystical approach, which practical people wouldn't put a very high price tag on. But I guess today when we see that so many people in Wall Street and people in very successful uh, enterprises around the world are starting to make this particular technique a part of their daily routine, I guess the value is quickly being realised, Wendy. Yeah, that's right. And I think all throughout the ages in different um, cultures, in different fields of life, people have actually experienced higher states of consciousness or self-realisation, but they haven't had the words or the understanding. And what they also haven't had is a technique to get there on a consistent basis. So you hear of poets or musicians that get a flash of transcendence and you know, come out with some amazing creative project. Um, even scientists actually too. Um, they often had that eureka moment. And it wasn't when they were really focused on the problem. It was often when they were forgetting about it and we were in a very relaxed state. Um, so, you know, it's across the board. I think it's just been relegated to being a kind of Eastern thing because people didn't understand it. But, you know, as I said, in many, many different cultures, people have experienced these 
self-realized states or higher states of consciousness. Yeah, that's true. It's the uh, the people that have just taken a step back and maybe on holidays or uh, they've found a quiet space where they can just shut the distraction out for a period of time. They do have that eureka moment, as you may have mentioned. Um, but I guess for those that are looking for consistency of those eureka moments, it's to put that technique into a, a daily routine so you can start to depend on it and bank on it when you when you need it most. As I heard someone say recently, a um, um, uh, someone working in the finance sector in uh, Wall Street, the goal is not to have the eureka moment when you're in meditation, but to have the eureka moment when you're outside of your meditation, when you're dealing with your, your clients or your family or that business negotiation or transaction. So um, if I may just talk on the topic of uh, higher states of consciousness a little bit more, we, I'm obviously focused on the, the day-to-day, what you might call the practicalities, but um, is it... Um, is higher states of consciousness, is, is it just limited to those that practice transcendental meditation or is that just a means to sort of the natural unfoldment of it um, when you can be... Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, no, it's not limited to people that practice transcendental meditation because, as I was saying, people got glimpses of it now and again yeah. and some people would describe themselves or other people would describe them as being enlightened or self-realised. But I guess the point was even people that were sometimes in that state they couldn't show anyone else the path to get there. I guess what the kind of added advantage of Transcendental Meditation is, is that anyone can learn how to do it and from whatever point you start at, you'll improve your abilities, you'll expand your perception. And I guess just to touch on, we've talked about higher states of consciousness, but just to define that a little bit more. So if we talk about the three states of consciousness which everyone experiences, waking, dreaming and sleeping, What's been identified is a fourth state of consciousness, which is experienced during the practice of Transcendental Meditation. And what that is characterised by is reduction in oxygen consumption, so the body is in a deeply restful state, deeper than deep sleep, and increased EEG coherence, so increased brain coherence. Now that is found to take place when people are in their practice of Transcendental Meditation, but what develops over time is even when you come out of meditation, you don't lose that state. So there's still that increased EEG coherence. There's still that deeply rested physiology, even in dynamic activity. So what's been identified, we can call it a fifth state, is called cosmic consciousness. And that's when we've got that transcendental state along with the other three states, waking, dreaming and sleeping. So it's like the light never goes off. We never lose that awareness. And people often describe it as a witnessing quality. So it's like you're not so kind of caught up in the ups and downs of your life. You know, life goes on. We have different events, different challenges. But it's like the inner awareness isn't knocked around by it. So we don't feel devastated when something negative happens and, um, you know, really excited when something positive happens. It's like that inner fulfillment, that inner peace is there all the time. And, you know, you might think, well, how can you have that when you're asleep or dreaming? But that witnessing quality just shows that there's consciousness there all the time. You know, when we sleep, something different happens in the mind, something different happens in the body, and the same in the dreaming state. But I'm sure there's many people out there who've actually had some slight glimpse of that. When you have the experience that you're having a dream and that you know it's a dream, and it's like there's some witnessing quality. Oh, my mind's having a dream. That's not my reality. So that's just to give a kind of, brief example but that starts to become more and more substantial 
And, you know, it can even happen while you're asleep. Well, that's certainly uh, been my own experience through the journey too, as you do get these beautiful and profound um, flashes of higher states of consciousness. And sometimes they stay with you for just a few seconds and sometimes um, it, it's quite a few minutes. Um, and as you, as you made mention too, that, uh, that underlying experience of calmness is always, always with you, even in, in dynamic activity. Um, so you mentioned the three states that everyone's most common with, the waking, dreaming and sleeping states. And for those that had done some practice of transcending, they'd be very familiar with the state of transcendence. And you mentioned that um, state of cosmic consciousness where the, the transcendent establishes itself within those three states, so it's, it's always with you. And um, you mentioned earlier the pathway, so I guess if, if, if there's a pathway, it's good to know what some of the, the destinations even beyond that, Wendy, if we're going to talk yeah. about potential. There's obviously the three that we use every day. There's the fourth one that we experience in, in transcendence, which enlivens the, the higher values in the first three, the more gross states. We call that cosmic consciousness when it becomes permanent. And so, so, so what options are there to the nervous system above and beyond that? Yeah, that's a good question. And also just to kind of define cosmic consciousness, because even those words, cosmic consciousness, sometimes people think, oh, that's a bit out there. What it does, does that mean? does sound a bit out there, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we can understand it from the scientific point of view in that we've established the level of the unified field or the quantum level. So what that level is, is the most subtlest level of creation. Um, it's the level where everything's found to be more like a field or vibrations or energy. And that's at the basis of everything in the universe. And it's at the basis of us. So with the regular practice of transcending and we clear out the stress and fatigue and become familiar with these deeper levels of the mind, actually we establish that we are that at the deepest level of ourself. We are, and that's the word cosmic, or we can call it um, the unified field. So that's actually completely established in cosmic consciousness. But you can think, well, is that the end of the story? You know, but there's more um, refinement that can take place. So we can say in cosmic consciousness, we completely realize the self. We are that unified field. We are that one unbounded level. But how we perceive the universe around us maybe hasn't changed to, to, to much extent. So as we move into the next state, and it's been given the, um, the term exalted cosmic consciousness, and even Mahashi sometimes used the word God consciousness. Yes. But these days, again, that's another word that people think, God, I don't believe in God, or um, what God are you talking about? Really what it's talking about is creation. And what develops in this sixth state of consciousness is the ability to experience the refined perception of the creation and to even understand the particular laws of nature. So to give an example of that, when we're looking at a flower, um, normally before we're in um, even exalted cosmic consciousness, we would just look at the flower and see the petals and the stem and the surface of the flower. As our refinement becomes more expanded, we can perceive beyond the boundaries and actually look at the level of the sap. And it's like we can understand the mechanics of it. So what exalted cosmic consciousness is all about is perceiving the depth in reality around us. Now, it actually does another thing, um, and that is to expand the heart. So in cosmic consciousness, there's this witnessing value. It's almost like everything's going on outside of me and I'm this, you know, unbounded self. Yes. Um, when we start to go beyond that, we actually start to feel more drawn 
in, in terms of, of the wonder and the beauty, and we can even use the word love of everything out there in the universe. Um, and so that's the next progression. So, you know, that develops again with the refinement of perception. Um, and it's interesting with transcendental meditation, it actually develops all the higher states of consciousness at the same time. So I think it would be quite rare for someone to just get to cosmic consciousness. Maybe I shouldn't say just, but to get to cosmic consciousness and have none of these more, we call God consciousness experiences. Because even when people first learn transcendental meditation, they often come back and they say things like, oh, when I drove up to see you, um, I was looking out the window and I thought, wow, everything looks really beautiful today. Um, or I went home and I felt such love for my children or my partner. These are actually examples of that next state, the sixth state of consciousness. Beautiful, beautiful. So, so when you talk about expansion of the heart, um, we're not obviously talking about the gross physical size of the heart, but just the function, the range of functioning of the heart to perceive things at ever more refined levels. So what you mentioned earlier was we're looking at the petals of a flower. It's a physical object that we're observing, but what you're saying is that more refined, deeper levels of the, of the experience can be realised. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's right. And with that, appreciation and love comes from that. Beautiful. Because when you look at something and you think it's beautiful, there is some elevation of, of the emotions and the heart as well. So um, it, it, it enriches the relationship between what you're perceiving and yourself on every level. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's right. That's, oh. a, that's a great way of putting it. But so, there's a further state even beyond that. And you might think, well, what could be beyond that beautiful, exalted state of just seeing almost like the beautiful, vibrant, celestial world around? Well, the next stage is called unity consciousness. And that's where our perception of the surroundings goes beyond even seeing the most refined state to actually seeing that level of the unified field. So seeing that level of energy or vibration that we've already um, found in ourselves in cosmic consciousness. So we feel and we have the experience of everything out there is just an aspect of the self. It's like the vibrational state. And it's really interesting because quantum physics describes, late, there's a super string theory, yes. which describes that everything is just vibrations of the same stuff. So I find this really interesting because, you know, and I think, again, this is a really um, amazing thing that Maharshi Mahesh Yogi did, was to bring the two streams of life together. You know, you've got people that experience this spiritual, we call it spiritual side, or the experience level. And then we've got people who are very um, intelligent and they've discovered the quantum level and they talk about superstring theory and measurement theory and all of this. But what this brings together is actually, it's all the same thing. It's just two, two different ways of looking at, at life. But it, they verify each other. Beautiful. And you mentioned the, uh, the frequencies or the vibrations. Um, I guess ultimately what we call home is known as the universe. So yeah. to connect with that uni, that oneness, that uni, unity, which becomes a natural state of our own consciousness, I guess that's the ultimate realisation of, uh, of our life. It, surely there's nothing beyond that, Wendy. That's right. And, um, you know, Mahashi would say enlightenment is the supreme awakening to the true nature of life. Wow. And we understand the true nature of life is everything is unified. Um, but we have our individual physiology and we go out and we enjoy life. But actually we have at the deepest level that connection. 
Well, that's the great point you make. Um, there's no mood making or straining or trying in this process. It's just a natural, um, a natural process that unfolds, just like when you lay down on your bed of an evening to go to sleep, uh, you naturally drift off into that, into that direction. And in the morning when the sun's rising, you naturally wake up and everything that you're describing here, the cosmic consciousness, the exalted consciousness and the, the unity consciousness, similar to falling asleep, it's just falling into higher states of consciousness spontaneously because you've included the transcendental meditation into your daily practice that, that enables that environment within yourself to just start to realize those higher and higher levels naturally and spontaneously. That's, have I, have I summarized Yeah, that's it? right. And that's the great thing. It's completely spontaneous. You know, we do our TM practice, we come out and enjoy our life and we don't have to think about any of it. We don't think, oh, I'm connected with the universe or, you know, I should look around the world and think I love everything. You know, and there are lots of kind of, I guess, techniques that have taken those kind of ideals without the experience and thought to generate them by thinking about them. That, that's, where, that's where the topic um, loses its practicality for so many people, I think, because people do provide a commentary on, that, um, on those experiences without the mechanics to actually get there, uh, without the mechanics which make it spontaneous. Um, and I know in my own life, um, many, many years ago when I originally learned the technique, my goal was purely and simply to improve my performance um, in business and sport and um, in, enjoy a better quality interrelationships inter, inter with other people. Um, and then spontaneously you do start to get the flavours of these um, marvellous higher states of consciousness coming to you, even though that wasn't your original objective. It becomes almost like a, a, a byproduct because, as you said, I guess it's just deeper and deeper expressions of who you really are. So, of course, it's natural that the nervous system is going to start to reflect that through time if you give it the opportunity. Yeah. The same way you plant uh, a seed in the garden and if you provide the right, the right conditions, of course, it's going to bloom to its full potential. And if you limit those conditions, well, of course, it's not going to realise its full potential. So mm. I guess that's that, that's that wonderful analogy you made with reference to um, to a flower and the sap and the realisation of its full potential. Yeah, that's right. And that brings up another point. It actually doesn't matter why you learn TM, you'll still get all the benefits. And it reminds me of, um, you know, a story I'd heard where, you know, way back when Mahashi first came out to the West and started talking about meditation, and, you know, back then, late 1950s, early 60s, meditation wasn't anything that was people knew much about. Dark ages. Yeah, they thought, oh, you have to be a recluse and you have to give up all your material possessions. So he gave his introductory talk and he always talks about the same things in terms of improvement of the mind, body, and, you know, he would have touched on enlightenment or self-realisation. And, you know, the next day there was an article published in the newspaper saying, Transcendental meditation will help you go to sleep. <laughs> and his reaction initially was like, oh, that wasn't quite what he was trying to get across. But he realized that's all people could understand. They had no reference point to understand enlightenment. And then he said, well, if they learn transcendental meditation to improve their sleep, it doesn't matter. They'll still get all the benefits anyway. Exactly. That's it. I, I guess people only learn to satisfy the... Um the reasons that are right before them and uh, as all the benefits um, highlighted in the range of high states of consciousness begin to unfold it's probably something they couldn't really have wanted because it's something that they never would have had any direct experience of in the past so that's just... right and I, I often think that I think people actually don't know what they're missing but you do have to talk in terms of what people understand 
Um, but look, these days people are much more open to ideas like higher states of consciousness um, than they were even, you know, I've, I've been teaching over 20 years. Um, and even back then I'd say, but I, I guess definitely from that first time when Mahashi came out and travelled all around the world, there wasn't much understanding of it. Yeah, that's, that's for sure. I, I know in my circles when um, I'm dealing with stressed and burnt out business execs and uh, people who are working huge hours and putting their nervous system under immense strain, which obviously then reflects to impact their relationships and, mm. uh, and their future successes when they do get that little bit of relief that uh, they get from their meditation. You go back and see them you know, even days or even weeks later and you sort of see the glow on their face that just wasn't there beforehand. And that's certainly been my experience mm. that benefit, it just continues to unfold and unfold um, through the years. It's almost like there seems to be no cap or ceiling on the the potential of that and um, and that's what certainly impressed me with regards to a tool in personal development because it doesn't have a shelf life it just keeps giving so that's that, that's a valuable tool that I've been able to prescribe to clients with that with great confidence um, through the journey and yeah, that's right, that's and, right. And, the, and the scientific data too Wendy there's, there's no doubt that for me to bring that topic into mm. a boardroom um, I have to be able to sort of show very practical benefits mm. because they're, they're, they're busy people they haven't got time for anything that may be perceived to be a little bit mystical or, or out there, as you say. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the topic and um, to, to have this moment to reflect back onto higher states of consciousness, why wouldn't you sort of stop and pause and think, well, what is the, what is the full capacity and the, the ability of our system? So That's right, and that's been also an angle that's been taken, that you can really describe higher states of consciousness as peak performance. And so, you know, looking at the, the brain waves, there are certain brain waves that come from doing meditation techniques like mindfulness or um, open monitoring yes. um, where you're sort of dispassionately observing something and then there's different ones that um, gamma activity actually when the, the brain's more active so if you're doing a concentration technique or something that requires effort with the category of automatic self-transcending which includes transcendental meditation um, it's shown to produce alpha waves and what's really interesting is that's showing when people DTM and it's similar in someone who's only been doing it for a few months to someone who's been doing it for many years during the practice of transcendental meditation but what can be measured and this is what indicates higher states of consciousness is how much that alpha coherence stays with you when you've got your eyes open and you're in activity so I think that's quite an amazing thing that like you say you know you go to these people you can actually show them this is the result this is whether you talk about it in terms of higher states of consciousness or not, but you can show how that brain coherence stays with you at all times, and that's really indicative of, of cosmic consciousness. Well, that's a good point, isn't it? Because normally when we're, we're thinking peak performance, we're talking about performance in a, in a business setting or a sporting setting or even performance as being a great parent, um, being a great partner. Um, but when we look at peak performance in terms of our actual ability well then that's when all of a sudden the um the sky's the limit um yes that's a, that's a nice yeah. way of looking at it too and it's also another way to think about it is you know with whatever you're doing in your life you want to enjoy it so if you're even if you're achieving and you're so stressed out all the time um that you don't enjoy what you're doing you only enjoy it when you get to the end of the day or you know you get your paycheck then that's not living your full potential so i think that's in the direction of cosmic consciousness there's just like this inner fulfillment regardless of what you're doing 
you don't feel that pressure. It's like you just feel the creativity flows through you. You know, if you have to get up and give a speech in front of people, you're not thinking, oh, what if I say the wrong thing? It's like you're just in the flow of life. And so everything just becomes really enjoyable. Yeah, it's a... Um Amazing thing. Sometimes perhaps we, we create our own limitations. Uh, uh, someone was speaking to me the other day. Um, they said, I feel incredibly healthy. I feel incredibly happy and incredibly fulfilled in this moment in time. And traditionally, we would tend to think about success and fulfillment based on, um, on, on earnings or accumulation of wealth. And, um, and certainly, that's a very important part in it. But a lot of my clients have accumulated enormous fortunes, but their health is in a horrendous position and their relationships mm. or they don't tend to be sustained very well. Um, and, and they're certainly not, they're not living in a state of fulfillment or contentment. Um, so it's almost like we don't need to just measure peak performance mm. in terms of the score on the board or, or, or a bank balance, but a greater well-being in terms of how are you feeling. Um, and as you mentioned, it, it's not a practice for someone who wants to live a monastic lifestyle and sit in a cave. You can take this into the marketplace, you can take it into the workplace, you can be very um, uh, very productive, add huge value to your marketplace and, and enjoy all the material rewards, but not at the cost of the inner fulfillment which which, which is available to you every day. And um, as you said, that, that can just keep expanding for, for many, many years to come. That's right, and I think it even, you can trace it back to the education system because if the focus is always on getting good marks and achieving and you know, you're not looking at the development of the individual, then you're only getting a very small amount of that full potential. And you know, I've, I find it kind of strange, like if you think of students going through a medical degree, they actually come out more stressed and with worse, worse health. And you think, well, they're learning all about health, well, they're perhaps not learning so much about health, but disease. But that just seems like a very strange kind of understanding of people that are going to go out there and um, look after our well-being and health. Yeah, we're, we're very lucky to have a, have a system that can provide all sorts of um, support mechanisms to people that do feel overwhelmed and overloaded and, and, and are unhealthy. Um, the system uh, is there to support, but um, I think ultimately to, to adopt a routine that supports you in your day-to-day -day activities, improves sleep, as you say, um, and, and also start to tap into deeper potentialities. Um, that's also a very alluring and valuable um, proposition as well to be sure that you're doing everything you can without too much tax on your time um, to tap into that ability that you're carrying around with you anyway. It's who, who wants to, to, to live on 10 or 15% of their abilities and get to the end of the game and think, well, you had another 85% there mm. if you just looked. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or you get to retirement and you think, oh, well, now I can enjoy my life when your body's not in such great shape because you've overworked and yeah, like you say, maybe you've ignored um, some of your relationships and so you don't end up with a lot of great friends and, and loving family. I, I think it's beautiful that the technique um, is as available to people, uh, to children 10, 12 years mm. of age as it is to, to people in their senior years. And I'm sure, I'm sure that you must have come across some of the clients in your meditation teaching practice where they've learnt maybe well into their senior years and they've said, I wish I knew this yeah. years ago. I hear that comment so often. And <laughs> even people that aren't even that old, they'll say, oh, I wish I had this when I was younger. Yeah, that's, that's definitely the comment. But again, whatever age you learn, you'll start to get the benefits. But I think it's great, you know, if you can introduce it into um, schools and for young children, 
um, you know, that's fantastic because then they've got a tool for life. They don't have to go through having a breakdown or having a big crisis before they look for ways to look after themselves. Yeah, that's, that's it. And I, I guess when I'm providing solutions to busy executives and people in uh, competitive business settings and uh, recommending something that it's going to improve your sleep, it's going to improve your performance, it's going to improve your, um, your profitability, your ability to creative think, your ability to handle pressure, it's going to improve your relationships and, and then you sort of start tapping into this amazing world of higher states of consciousness which, which let's face it, um, we could probably sit here and start talking about all the, the glimpses and beautiful experiences we've all had um, through the years of, of, of those remarkable higher states of consciousness but uh, just that's even that superficial list of of very practical benefits that are available. It, it, it truly is a technique that, that I can't not recommend to just about everybody because it, it just keeps providing so many benefits for, for so many years. So. That's right. And I think when you enjoy the benefits in your own life, you just want other people to have them as well. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. I, I'd feel almost guilty uh, to have someone sitting in front of me who um, has asked me to support their productivity and their skills. And I can see they're completely overwhelmed with stress and fatigue. And next year they're, they're striving to accomplish more than what they did last year and they're going to do that by burning the candle at both ends and, and you just know that eventually it's not going to end well on some level it could be a relationship it could be their health uh, mm. um, they could end up in hospital with, with breakdowns mm. um, which is often the case too so to have something that supports them in their uh, in their endeavors to have those healthy objectives get realized without destroying the system the body that they're living in yeah um, and the thought of having that increased uh, appreciation of the relationship with uh with the rest of the world too, it's a yeah, it, it's a pretty complete program, and I'm certainly proud that, uh, um, or certainly satisfied that I, I stumbled across it, and, and thrilled that you've been able to come in today and share some deeper insights into the benefits and the and, and the range there. So. Yeah, well, it's always a pleasure to talk about consciousness. Very good. Well, um, Wendy, people who want to know more and perhaps uh, get in contact with you to discuss the topic of. Uh, high states of consciousness or the applications and, and, and benefits of transcendental meditation in their own daily routine, what's the best way that they can get in contact with you? Well, the best way is to go to our website, um, www.tm.org.au, um, and then you can find your local centre. So we have TM centres in all the capital cities in Australia and many other areas. So that's the best way to get in touch with your local TM teacher. And they're looking for um, certified teachers and that's the place to go to find them. So uh, That's right, because um, we want to know that you're getting the technique that has been time tested and all the research is done on. And I guess just to add one last point, if you want to boost the benefits that you're getting with your Transcendental Meditation practice, there's actually a sequence of advanced techniques that you can learn. And so obviously you have to have learned Transcendental Meditation from a certified teacher um, to be able to learn the advanced techniques. Very good, Wendy. Appreciate your time again today and uh, yeah, good luck with it. Thanks, Jamie.